Hi, everyone. I'm Chuck Saren, VP of Industry Marketing for MedTech and Life Sciences at Propel, and welcome to the Product Success Podcast, Quality and Medical Devices. I'm joined by Rachel Jang, a Senior Solution Consultant here at Propel. This podcast brings together thought leaders from the health and life sciences industry talking about compliance, quality, and product success in the medical devices. Before we dive in, you can find all episodes of this podcast under the resources tab at propelplm.com. Hello, everyone. We're looking forward today to talking with Sandeep Ladd, the Director of Quality at Dialy, and of course, Rachel Jang from Propel, to chat about an early stage medical device company that is really redefining the home dialysis market in technology and portability. And Sandeep has also been uh, long implementing product and quality QMS solutions at several companies, um, most recently on a true cloud platform. So we're really looking forward to talking to hearing some of his strategies and experiences around that. So uh, Rachel, do you want to say a quick hello? Yeah. Hi. I'm really excited to talk to Sandeep. Uh, I actually helped them with their implementation. So I'm excited to have him on the show today. Awesome. And Sandeep, uh, I'll do a quick intro. You know, he's, Sandeep is a, a quality leader with a lot of experience in, you know, director, manager, QE at, at several med, de- med device life sciences companies. I even noticed you worked at a BIT, a CDMO, doing like design and development and manufacturing of diagnostic devices. So that's a very interesting topic we talked about in a recent podcast. But um, if you don't mind, Sandy, maybe you talk a little bit about uh, Dialy, the company, and your role. Hi, sure. Thanks, uh, Chuck and Rachel, for the introduction. Um, I have been with Dialy for about two years now and been in the medical device space, uh, focused on quality management for about 15, 16 years uh, at this time. Dialy um, is an early stage company at this point in time. We're focused on our mission, which is to develop uh, solutions for patients with kidney disease. And as a result, our first product development effort is focused on a home hemodialysis system that um, we had kicked off um, a couple of years back and we are now moving towards uh, the product development lifecycle towards 510k submission. Um, and then from that point on, we're working towards a uh, planned commercial launch um, over the next uh, uh, several months to uh, two-year timeframe and outlook. Great, great. I think it's uh, it's always exciting to talk to like startups, early stage companies, um, you know, because your, your technology is just you know, so innovative and, and on the edge here. And also, you know, you, you have a new landscape to deploy your product and quality systems. Um, and I'm sure you wear a lot of hats um, at this stage as well, whether it be quality regulatory or your collaboration with other, other functions. But, you know, since you've been there a couple of years now at Dialy, um, maybe look at a perspective here about, you know, deploying and, and you know, when, you know, a lot of a lot of these early stage companies say, well, when is it really right to put in an EQMS system? And, you know, we could do a whole podcast on that, but maybe you could provide some perspective of your latest EQMS deployment and, and why did you start it so early and, and, and you know, your, your, your ownership of it? Sure. I think that's a really good question. And part of it is that I feel it's very important to have adoption of 
quality systems very early on. Um, part of quality systems adoption and implementation is also getting buy-in and ownership from other functions within the organization. So when you look at overall quality systems, it's not just the quality group, it's in fact uh, every function across all leadership levels that are standing behind the system. And having something put in to a company early on allows these other functions and functional leaders within a company to really help craft the way in which business processes, quality processes, and ultimately compliance processes are put together. And it gives everyone the opportunity to provide the input early on and the ability to scale and form the processes to the most optimum way possible. And therefore, at Diality, we decided very early on that we wanted to go electronic. Um, having been in quality systems for several years and working with sites that um, had very established and mature paper processes, the challenge with considering uh, a shift to EQMS at a very mature state means that there is a significant amount of um, changes and uh, perhaps even resistance from other functions to change um, established ways. And also the time it takes to um, convert from one system to the other is also a fairly large exercise. So when we did the assessment at Diality uh, from a business case perspective of starting very early on, um, we were at the beginning of our quality system forming stage. And so um, our leadership and myself had made a, a quick decision that, hey, we want to go electronic. We will save a lot of time and money by doing this early. And from a user experience perspective for our team, it would be that much more effective. And therefore, that was really the building blocks of us deciding on doing our diligence, selecting a tool, and, and we did select Propel um, for, for a lot of the things that it has to offer uh, and joined in early on. Fast forwarding two years from that point in time, um, we're extremely happy that we did that because we were able to see a very early adoption. We were able to design uh, processes cross-functionally and we have um, about 41 users who are actively using the tool and enjoying using the tool um, without uh, a lot of the challenges of, of switching from one way to the other. So we were able to capitalize on the benefits and advantages of using um, what this tool has to offer as opposed to not doing it early on and then having to worry about doing it later on. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of great inputs um, on uh, the why. And, you know, a lot of times people talk about, you know, building a wrong rev or just lost data, but you're, you're extending this to the cross-functional value that you see across the different departments and bringing in other businesses, which is great. Because um, you don't hear that often about, you talk about crafting the process and getting early buy-in because, you know, a lot of times QMS is quality only folks sometimes um, and being able to pull in, you know, regulatory R&D, maybe your supply chain, these, to your point, even executives and, and getting that buy-in early is, is, you know, one of the biggest values um, that I see. So it's that, it leads to the one source of truth. It leads to the the other ones getting value out of the system um, by, by doing that early. That's great. 
Um, I think another point you made too is just the time and money uh, by doing it early. And I think that's an interesting um, sort of point that a lot of people struggle with is, you know, when is the right time, you know, to invest? But I think by not doing it early, it's going to slow you down later. And I don't know if you agree with that thought, but is, you know, you're going to be scrambling to find information when you have, you know, maybe some audits coming up or it's going to slow you down later. If you don't have that, they're trying to access these, these, this information that's, you know, nicely structured and organized. So I think that was another point that you made out of that too. Um, I think that might lead, you also mentioned adoption. Um, I think it's a really interesting, you mentioned 41 users. Um, and it, how does that relate to, you know, the overall number of employees in the company is that that usage and adoption rate, that seems very high because I don't think you have that many employees. Um, so your, your adoption rate really does move across all the different functions in the business. Maybe you can elaborate on that a little. Sure. So uh, we actually have about 41, 42 employees in total. So I guess the, the thought is, is that we have every employee within the company um, with the license who uses the tool for one shape or another, whether it's training, whether it's approval, or whether it's creating um, content and, and taking on more, uh, more modules within the tool. And as a result of that, we were able to streamline a number of different activities because one of the things that um, non-EQMS solutions, um, let's say, are challenged by is a lot of the administration that goes into document management and processing and review and approval times and just the overall transparency of information share and collaboration. And most of that stuff is not always really value added in a lot of the administration is a result of not having a very effective tool to do that. And so the reason why we have such high adoption is because we have all functions of the company um, from HR to finance to engineering, um, even to the executive team plugged in because between training through item content creation to review and approval, everyone touches things within our business. And so that's, I think, what we were able to achieve right off the get-go. And the reason why that is, is because we didn't um, decide to, to do a paper-based system where you don't have that level of visibility and ease of, of access to all the different functions. And so right off the get-go, the team here was conditioned to working off of a platform such as uh, the Propel uh, platform here. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that puts a stamp on it of early. And again, that value across all functions, you even mentioned like HR, finance, it's, it's, that really does show the extensibility of the product across. I mean, every, that's interesting. Everyone in your company pretty much is a user. That's, that's really great. Um, I might lead on to that question then about you know, how has, you know, you mentioned two years, put it in, you've gotten this value, you've met a lot of the needs that you intended to meet, but now you've got all of these different cross-functional capabilities. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about the extensibility of the system. Is it meeting your needs? Like, you, you know, how is, uh, how has the Propel system or your QMS system in general here, how has it really evolved in as Dialyte has been growing? So you've put it in early, 
you're realizing the benefits, but how has it been able to adapt and, and grow with, with your needs and your company's needs as well? Sure. So we did um, a bit of a, a stepwise implementation. When we first implemented the tool, we had started off with one or two modules that were most critical at the time with the size of the team that was there. And in fact, when you look at scalability, when we first implemented Propel, we were probably somewhere around 10 to 15 users at that time because the company was mm -hmm. a smaller size. And as the months went on, <clears throat> as we were building our QMS and writing our procedures, we were in parallel configuring the workflows uh, piece by piece. So as we built out our QMS um, in, in paper-based SOPs, we also configured um, the workflows within Propel um, as we did that. And what that means is we took our time and were able to design the procedure and the workflow in tandem along with the functional team representatives. And so over a six month period, we were able to do a stepwise implementation as we were developing our business procedures and, and all of that. So from a scalability perspective, right, we started off with modules that um, were most critical to the smaller teams. As, and as we built more team members, it was kind of plug and play because we'd already thought through um, the user points and it just made uh, the training and the adoption of users that much faster, right? They just, new person comes in, they quickly look at a tutorial and they're ready to go right off the get-go. There's no asking this person, how do I do this? How do I do that? Because it's pretty self-explanatory. And so that's where we had the opportunity to design these things uh, from the ground up versus taking a process that's already fairly mature in one platform and then trying to figure out how to um, simulate that in an electronic platform. That's great. Yeah, you see you're designing it. You've got your paper SPs, you're configuring you're configuring the workflows yourself is that is that right your team is doing that yeah so one of the things that that i'm happy about is that early on i i kind of proactively look for a lot of training in how to do this right and so um between the propel team including rachel here um i got uh trained on how to do some of that and have been continuously learning right i mean i i'm no expert in software i'm no expert in um you know the the tool and the back end but you know, based on what I learned from the solutions team at Propel, I'm now equipped to be able to navigate configuring workflows on my own. So the beauty here is that, you know, we can write up something on a piece of paper, create a Visio flowchart, and then in parallel, work out the Propel configuration at the same time. So we deploy that in one shot and we can evolve that as we go. And that's exactly kind of what we're doing. So we had a stepwise module introduction um, as we needed to. And from a scalability perspective, it's kind of the, the baseline that's set now, right? So any process that our teams are looking to incorporate or modify or improve, we kind of go through this process and at any given time, we're able to go into and either modify an existing module to improve it or add a new module because we have the need for another process and we, we have the building blocks of how to do that um, and, and the tool kind of allows that to happen. So it's, um, it's more effective in that fashion because 
here you don't only have a written document that people have to keep referring to. It's kind of a living process that everyone sees on a regular basis. Um, and with Propel, just because it's adopted, just like everyone checks into Outlook every morning on their emails, they're logged into Propel and they're looking on their home screen and they know what they need to do with the tool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you've extended it out. You've, you know, you've built your processes. You've de-risked it by doing the process at the same time of building it and then realizing it. Um, what about, you know, you talked about extending these different cross-functional departments. How have you reached out? You talked about a 510K. You're in the process of, of, of that launching, you know, in, in the coming months or I don't know the exact time frame there, but how are, you know, you, you're probably at the point of, you know, completing VMV, looking at design transfer. How are you starting to, you know, manage your suppliers one, and then also how are you starting to think about or, or starting to connect with your contract manufacturers? You know, as we start to talk about extending this out, that might be a, ne a next progression. Is that is that right? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. So um, we are probably about 12 to 13 months away from doing a formal submission to the FDA for our 510K. So, mm -hmm. but in, in medical device development terms, that's a pretty short period of time. So we are effectively um, building our supplier base um, as we, um, over the next coming months, start to prepare for moving into verification and validation stages of our product. Um, and in fact, at present, we are also doing our diligence on contract manufacturing organizations. What we found is that um, more and more companies are going electronic in their QMS. And because we have this, uh, you know, the Propel system in place there, the collaboration and the ability to communicate product bill of materials and device master record items in between organizations for quoting purposes for change management and whatnot will become that much more simple as we turn the corner towards moving into more of a manufacturing and commercials organization over the next you know 14 to 18 months mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah so the extending now the um the ability you mentioned uh collaborating on those securely shared components, the DMR, the bomb, and, and extending it out to say your CMs, or, you know, if, if you do want to quote it out to them um, versus, you know, manufacturing what's make or buy. So that's a, a really important point is to be able to securely choose and decide what you want to share and then also, um, you know, collaborate with them. So that's. Yeah. That's the PLM capability, um, Chuck, is, is such that, you know, we're actively leveraging some of the features to be able to provide information for quotation from contract manufacturers. And in the near future, when we do select um, such an organization and kind of finalize our, our, what we call a manufacturing supplier base, um, this will allow us to help manage changes and manage configuration and just overall ensure that we're synced up with these outside organizations because a lot of them are using um, PLM level tools as well, whether they're homegrown tools or off the shelf tools, um, that's kind of where the industry is trending towards. And 
that means that I think for us, that'll just make this whole process of working with outsource partners that much more effective by having such a tool. Excellent. Excellent. So maybe reeling back for a moment too, is, you know, you talked about your first 510k, you talked about launching. It sounds like you're going to be launching to the U.S. first, of course. And maybe, maybe we can divert a little bit about just sort of working to meet some of the compliance requirements um, around, um, you know, part 820, you know, the fact that you're going to be launching to the U.S., um, as a part 820 regulation, or even, you know, are you working also towards 1345, the harmonized standard? What's, what's sort of, where are you at with, with, you know, sort of meeting these compliance needs? Sure. So our, our business diality, we are, um, our QMS is fully compliant to ISO 1345 and FDA's 820 QSR standards. Um, in our certification pathway, we have engaged with a third party um, ISO registration firm. And last year we started our stage wise um, certification process towards ISO 1345. So we hosted our first uh, stage audit, which was a, um, a high level overview of the QMS system for compliance to ISO 1345 and Propel is a key integrated part of it. So Propel was obviously in the audit um, audit window, obviously, because third party wise, they'll be looking at records and they did look at records within the system. And, and just going through that exercise, we, we found that, you know, it, it will help us meet all of our uh, core compliance requirements. We've implemented every process to be fully compliant and we're working towards final certification. A lot of it's contingent upon just us getting the product cycle to where it needs to be, but yeah, effectively we have already taken the steps towards getting ISO certification. Um, we, we've um, crossed one of the milestones there and then we will sort of work towards the capstone um, next year to finish off certification. And at the same time, um, our processes and workflows are designed around FDA uh, compliance as well. So at present, Diality is operating um, in a fully compliant ISO 1345 and FDA uh, 820 um, compliance uh, scheme within our QMS system. Yeah, that's uh, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah, looking to both, that's great that you're on your first stage audit already. You got your your cert lined up, so you're definitely you know on track, obviously, and and look you know for the the U.S. launch, and I assume in in the future for further you know extending to new markets after that. Um, yeah, I think part of um, Diality's sort of corporate strategy is um, with with the product that uh, that we're looking to put out there in, in this this market for um, home hemodialysis. Um, our our board, our executive team, and and just our potential future customers. There's a huge market and presence just within the United States itself, mm -hmm. and you know we've already been engaging with the FDA through uh, like pre-submissions and other interactions since last year. And, and we, we have a, a very clear pathway lined up for us towards getting clearance. And so, yes, our limited commercial launch through initial commercialization launch really is gonna be heavily focused on the US. And then, um, you know, beyond that, you know, there, there is still outlook for Europe and, and other countries, but that 
that currently not the sort of the priority focus for for the company, but we have game plans as far as um, ensuring compliance to a lot of the international requirements as well, and later on considering you know both MDR and MDSAP add-ons to our QMS, but that's not current focus for the company right now. Right, right, makes sense, and just sort of streamline that or make it a little a little smoother in the future if you do go that way. So that's uh, some some good. So this is about scalability, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's really about scalability. So as you mentioned earlier, right, how do we scale? For an early stage company right now, we have all the building blocks to scale uh, nicely from one step to the other. And, right. and therefore the framework is such that, okay, if we now need to target Europe, then, you know, we know exactly this is what we have to incorporate and it's a relatively quick um, add on to XYZ workflows and we're kind of up and running. There's, there's no major shift to make. So I think everything yes. has been set up to scale um, as we sort of target other OUS markets. Yes. Yeah. And that, that culminates a lot of the discussion you've had about meeting the harmonized standard, meeting the regulation and the extensibility um, to, to ensure that in the future. So that, that's great. I think, um, you know, that comes to mind a little bit about, you know, a lot of companies look at it sometimes that, hey, we just need to meet compliance or we just need to meet the regulations. Um, I think that, you know, that that sort of has a factor based on, you know, the classification of the device, the risk, whether we're working in a next gen product or our first and size and maturity of the company. But, you know, I'm interested to hear your perspective. A lot of times I hear companies just trying to meet compliance or trying to just purchase compliance in a box so that they can you know, get to that compliance with blinders on, not really thinking about improving the overall product quality, which is where you know, I think a good system, good process as a good company really looks to achieve. So maybe it'd be interesting to get your perspectives on, do you look at it as you know, not just meeting the compliance, but achieving a higher level of overall quality while in parallel, you're ensuring that compliance. And I say that with the knowledge, knowing that you, you know, with all of your stewardship and, and quality experience, um, that that would be the case, but maybe you can elaborate on, on that thought. Sure. So if we look at um, in the standard regulations, right? If you look at ISO 1345, if you look at FDA QSR, right? They're fairly prescriptive about what basic compliance elements a company who's in the medical device space needs to have, right? But the, the trick is really how is it implemented in the organization such that it's implemented in a way where you are eliminating non-value added steps, improving the outcome of something, which is improving the quality, um, moving towards building excellence, moving towards building failure proofing and making it overall user friendly, right? So one of the things that we've always strived to do here at Dality is that when we design a process and it's an SOP, right? The, the very first step is, okay, do we have the basic compliance requirements put into play? And I think that's the, the first step, right? Mm -hmm. But to make a process effective and well adopted, the next piece becomes, I think, more important, which is 
the cross-functional and user input. Who is the user of the process? Is the process set up well enough so that the user can achieve the best outcome possible and at the same time simple and user-friendly enough so they don't make unnecessary mistakes? And at the third level, is it administratively simple enough as to not have wasteful steps and create excessive scenarios, right? That's where we have focused a lot on the Propel uh, modules that we've done is we look at things from that angle because just creating a procedure to maintain basic compliance, I think is relatively easy, but to create a process that is effective, consistent, and consistently yields a good outcome um, such that the user can stand behind it is really where it takes more thought and more cross-functional view that not only the quality team can come up with, right? And that's why we spend a lot of time, I personally, with our functional leaders, before we introduce any process saying, hey guys, can we make sure that everyone using this process can get it right the first time such that we don't have to later on deal with any types of remediation issues. And the cool part about the compliance framework in ISO and FDA is you can do this in many different ways, right? And so it's really right. about finding the sweet spot for the organization, understanding the users, understanding what the business needs are, because you're really designing processes to achieve excellence. And the compliance framework is really the very first step, steps two through five are really designing it so that it gets really the maximum and best output possible. That's a, so a, one, yep. oh, one example I'd like to give is that, you know, we, we have what's um, considered um, um, an, an ECO process, right? Every medical device company has an ECO process for releasing documents and parts and managing changes, right? So as we evolve this process, we look to our engineering teams and, and we ask the question, how do we make this as simple and consistent as possible? And so we looked at different workflow steps. We looked at utilizing more pick list based selections instead of text inputs. We utilize more conditional field properties, anything and everything so that the user um, will make the least amount of mistakes and the outcome becomes very robust for the reviewers so we can get to the meat of it and not fight the administration that goes along with it and really add value to assessing the change for what it really is instead of looking at did this person write something correctly or not. So that's one example of where you know having a tool like this um, can really add benefit because it takes the guesswork out of the reviewers and the users. And it really allows us to focus on what's the real value add, which is designing um, a really good product. And I think Sandeep, you've done a great job of, of utilizing all of the tools that we have. So, you know, people have the right notifications when they need them. They have the right validation rules and have field requires. 
uh, required fields and read-only fields at the right time to make the flow work really well um, so that the user has no questions about it. And, and, and like you said, like the reviewers can easily go in and approve um, and, and everything is already there for them and they don't have to chase people down and get things corrected after the fact. Yeah, and I think that adds to the points of by establishing that very effective process, not just the you know meaning sort of compliance sort of falls in place when you have great processes like this, and the fact that you're saying everyone uses it, which you know leads to the example earlier of of the usage and adoption, it, it all starts to really tie and blend together. And I think uh, your best practice example of an, an ECO and, and building that efficiently is just yet another example of probably leading into maybe discussion on best practices or some other real world examples. Um, are there any other um, best practices that you know sort of culminate some of these ideas around you know whether it's training or a supplier record or maybe even like your NCMR process, is there anything else that you could give another example about, you know, best practice or even what you're experiencing in the real world? Yeah, so I mean, I just kind of want to drive this into a little bit um, of, a, uh, of a point where, you know, over the years, I have seen a lot of different companies have a procedure for the same type of process, and let's call it Kappa, let's call it NCMR, right? let's say five, six different companies have an SOP that says the non-conforming material procedure. Now, if I sampled all five of them, and I've seen this over the years, they're all compliant, right? They all meet the requirements of the standard. But the variance I saw in how effectively that procedure was used, um, how many gaps there were in resulting records because someone couldn't follow it, or how much extra administration was added that really didn't add value, I've seen a big amount of variance between those two things. So what this means is one of the things that, you know, we're looking at as a separate example is, you know, we look at our, um, you know, Kappa and NCMR processes, and we look at, for example, um, another process that we added new, which was taking a paper process that's not really a QMS requirement, but something that our, let's say, finance and, and purchasing teams were using and creating a workflow out of that to really simplify and speed up the process. What we really do from a best practice perspective is we try to minimize user, broad user input as much as possible by relying on predefined content to ensure consistency. The, the second best practice that we try to employ is looking at the whole process through more of a Kaizen-based approach and understanding why do we have to do XYZ steps and try to pare the steps down as little as possible to remove redundancy. And then the third layer we add is, okay, what what are the key things that will deliver the best result from this process? Whether it, it is a review step or whether it is a um, uh, field selection step or whether it's just the way the workflow itself is defined and how many steps there are, 
those are the best practices that we take a look at when we design a process um, for implementation. We kind of take a Kaizen framework and look at, are we really solving a problem? Um, and sure, we say that this is compliant, but at the end of the day, what will allow the user of that process, the person that uses it day in and day out to consistently achieve the best outcome that later on they can also stand behind. So those are kind of, you know, a little bit higher level ways to look at that. I think if we got into, you know, looking at a specific case study, that would be kind of more interesting. But mm -hmm. that's the framework we use when we put a procedure on paper, think about the Propel workflow that's gonna go along with it. And then we combine those two things together in sort of a, a core team setting and say, okay, this is, going to be the most effective implementation. So with an NCMR procedure update we did recently, we looked at this topic about how do we document whether we've done, whether we need to do a further investigation or not. Okay, well, I've seen some companies do an NCMR form where it's just a free text field or write down, why shouldn't we do it? And everyone's got different rationale mm -hmm. and all those rationales can be, um, you know, different, right? Someone may say, well, because I think it's XYZ reason. Well, if an auditor comes and says, well, I don't think your rationale was correct, then how do you ensure that the rationale for further investigation is consistent and is meaningful and not just, you know, inconsistent across the board? So there we said, okay, let's come up with the decision matrix in the procedure, a flowchart method that we can have our users go through step-by-step step and really think through all the different cases possible. And then all we need to do in the record is effectively record a yes or no, but the yes or no is already predefined with its general rationale. So 98% of the cases, the user just has to say, okay, all right, all right, boom, I can move on. Versus having to think through a big write-up about, okay, why can't I do this and why can't I do that? So we put a lot of the logic around reaching a decision into the workflow, into the procedure, so that the user doesn't have to worry about, oh, should I, do I need to say this? Do I need to say that? And it's basically predefined criteria. And that way they can focus their energy on what really needs to be looked at versus what really doesn't. And we can use that data to then decide on whether we have, you know, this type of trend or that type of trend versus having broad ended long elaborate responses. Right, right. That's a that's a great example of dialing in the solution or the the tool that you're using to meet those needs of your company and I, that's just that's it, it's a wonderful example of that. And then by doing that, you're also able to get the output of that, which is all your analytics you mentioned and the, the things that, you know, the logic that led to that decision now is a reportable thing. So it's not only something you can extend and configure, but now you can also report on all these and, and take different slices of how does that relate, you know, to the product line or to the, you know, supplier or, you know, how does that, how do these things start to weave together and, and get different, you know, vantage points on, on looking back at it. So that's, that's a, a, another great example. I think the other thing you mentioned is that you've been able to extend it to sort of non-QMS processes like purchase requisition or something around purchasing. Mm -hmm. um, it started to lead into the idea of um, 
you know, the, the concept of leveraging product and quality, being able to tie quality to your product record. And you mentioned earlier about the bomb and the DMR. Um, and, and maybe you could talk about how well-structured, you know, your product is, you know, in terms of, of, you know, you know, manufacturers you're looking to do, but maybe just your bill of materials and your, your products, but how are you tying product and quality and seeing that value together just to, just to go right to the punch there? Sure. So, I mean, I think the biggest value add for our ECO process is that We've taken a lot of the administration time out of the whole process, which traditionally I know from experience with other organizations has been kind of the big issue, right? And so by taking a lot of the administration out of the ECO process, our review team can get to them faster and they can focus on the actual product content. So if it's a drawing for a part or a drawing for an assembly, our team can quickly Put an ECO together, um, quickly go through the administration. That allows us to then have the chance to focus on the actual content, which is what we're trying to release, versus worrying about the paperwork that goes along with it. So okay. automatically, you have the skill sets focused on the content and being able to provide collaborative feedback and looking through how best to create design solutions and so on and so forth. So really the trick to improving product quality is just to be able to open up the bandwidth to focus on what influences product quality. And I think cross-functionally, we've had the opportunity to remove non-value added administration so that that bandwidth can be then used to focus on the actual outcome, which is the product specifications, which is um, the assemblies, which is later on what comes together as prototypes and so on and so forth. Right, right. And that's, you know, we hear that a lot with, you know, sort of tying the product and quality is you know, you can get to your cap, your affected item can be not just a document, it could, it could actually be the component levels of what you're trying to find root cause on, or your, to your point, the ECO, that to fix the actual component, or maybe you need to, you know, redline your, your manufacturer to be, you know, someone else. So, see, having that visibility is critical, you know, for you on your first generation, but even more importantly, too, as you get to next generations or other models where you can look at past insight to help improve future outcomes uh, or to involve you know, quality earlier in the design process. So you can design for quality, you can design for regulatory. So a lot of those things come to mind when, you, when you're, you're talking about you know, this, this connection between them. Um, I think that also leads to a, another question about you know, what's next. You know, you've been able to preempt you know, doing some of these processes, building them out and, and realizing value sort of ahead of the game here, like you said, certifying to 1345 and, and doing things sort of ahead of time. What's next in your vision roadmap in terms of things that you want to tackle and add in? I mean, if you're, you're planning a launch later next year, is, is complaints maybe a natural progression of something you want to do next? You alluded to, you know, obviously a supplier portal type of thing, but What's what's next in your vision? Sure. So I think I think you answered it. Um, one of the things that we already have on the table will be to um, 
configure our complaint handling process uh, based on kind of a written procedure that we have initially baseline. And at that point in time, um, now we're we're sort of building out our commercial organization, our sales right. team, and we will be looking to um, some additional processes that may be introduced um, as a result of that, and also looking towards how we can leverage uh, what Propel has to offer to continue to uh, build out on that. But you know, right in the near term, is is really looking at getting our complaint handling system set up in advance of when we are going towards launch. So that way we have everything ready to rock and roll um, and vet it out um, before we get to that point. So looking at what I've been saying is, you know, as we um, take what's on our uh, written procedure, the exercise will begin cross-functionally in the next one month or so. Um, that I will be putting a team together internally and saying, okay, guys, let's look at how, from a user perspective, we can best establish our complaint handling module um, so that it's um, it meets all the criteria from being a very value-added, um, efficient process in which the user um, doesn't have any guesswork there and consistently achieves you know, the best outcome possible for what it needs to do. So that's kind of our, our very next step. And then beyond that will be processes that we'll be using more as we get our product into commercialization. And so we expect to kind of look through that. And, and now we get to a point where we would look at propeller modules that are beyond the core QMS um, options, right? We're, we may be looking at processes that are business level processes that aren't required by the QMS, but we find a lot of value in implementing them. And so those are some things that I've informed our team that, you know, let's continue to look for opportunities there. And I solicit a lot of that stuff um, as well. So that's kind of what our outlook is from scalability of Propel. Excellent. Well, that's music to our ears. You mentioned the ready to rock and roll, but the music to our ears is just the, the extension to commercialization and, and an area where, you know, I know Rachel, will be an excellent source to help talk about some of the possibilities and, and some of the capabilities we have today um, to meet some of those, those very things you're talking about, about you know, complaints to you know, setting that up even to reportability in the future or talking about extending commercialization and helping with like marketing collateral claims or you know, just to continuing to evolve with us. And uh, it's really been a wonderful chat today. I think, uh, you know, I, I think about some of the really incredibly insightful comments you've made today about, you know, man, you know, building the process about, you know, achieving compliance and building better quality about, you know, the adoption across the organization. I mean, these, these things are just, just resonate and it, it, it continues to resonate um, in, in your products and in your processes. That's for sure. So I, I really appreciate your time today, Sandeep. It's been a, a wonderful discussion. Um, and thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much for joining us. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And I thank you for uh, the opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about what we're doing here at Diality. And, um, you know, we really have, um, I want to say enjoyed, uh, you know, Propel since we had it uh, built in, we've kind of made it, um, it is our QMS, let's just say that, right? 
um, um, you know, after a while, the, the procedures are living through the workflows, right? At this point in time, um, I don't need to worry about saying, hey, go look at this procedure. It's already kind of built into the workflow. So you're automatically um, living that system. And so um, we found a lot of value. I think we'll continue to find a lot of value on our executive team. Um, has really been happy with that implementation. And, you know, we continue to um, kind of promote that as well um, from that regard. So, you know, look forward to continuing uh, the pathway with you guys and looking at, you know, more creative solutions and keep learning more and more about the tool. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Excellent, Sandy. Uh, really appreciate your time. And, and again, uh, thank, thank you, Rachel. Um, and look forward to, uh, to connecting soon again. Thanks, Chuck. Thank you. Bye now. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe to be notified when a new episode is posted, and please feel free to share it with a colleague. If you have any questions you want answered during an upcoming episode, please send them to podcast at propelplm.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.